Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. In today's episode, we are going to enter the world of InsureTech. We'll find out what it's all about and how it's impacting the work of actuaries. So joining us today to help with that is CIA member Blake Hill, who is Vice President of Sales for North America at Dakadu. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Great. Thanks for having me. So to start off, I'm just curious, I know nothing about this area, so I was hoping you could give us a good definition of InsureTech and more specifically, what are companies in this space trying to accomplish? And along the line, if you want to tell us about your company and how they're involved, that would be helpful as well. Great. It's an interesting way of trying to frame this up because InsureTech is such a broad term and I've been on calls, you know, in different committees and conferences as we tried to define this. And the short answer is there's no well-defined answer. But you can think of it as the kind of the marriage of technology to support insurance. And then when you think from that lens, it's actually quite broad. So a lot of times people think narrow and think it's about distribution or about underwriting. But it can be things such as claims. It can be, you know, interventions or preventions of claims. It can be kind of back office systems, so policy admin systems, commission systems, accounting, you know, actuarial software. There's so many things that it can be that it's really hard to define. It's also a branch of fintech sometimes when it's discussed because fintech can be this broader financial institutions technology marriage. So the best way to think of it is, you know, what is InsureTech trying to do? And it's really trying to leverage new technology, new capabilities through technology to make the insurance process better. And I broadly say process because it can be a consumer process, a employee process, an advisor process, whatever that might be. But that's generally how I think of it. Myself, I joined InsureTech just about three years ago now, uh, after having spent many years inside the insurance industry as an actuary. And my company, Dakadu, what we do is we support insurance companies and health life, now actually broader into financial services with engagement with their customers. So in the new world we live in, ongoing customer engagement is becoming a pillar of the way business is done. And so having a reason for your customers to want to come back throughout their life cycle with their product that you have, or even beyond the products you have, thinking differently about the customer, that's really what we're trying to help insurance customers do, evolve that new kind of platform-based economy. So we do that through an engagement platform. And then kind of second to that, because we have this understanding of human health that powers our engagement, or able to complement underwriting or risk assessment when it comes to either health or life insurance. So an ability to do predictions for mortalities, morbidities, and more importantly, missing data points. So imputed values as we call them. So that's kind of how we tackle it. But you know, in the ecosystem, we partner with many other insure techs to bring this to life because that's probably another piece of what being an insure tech is. It's not one company solving the entire problem end to end. It's usually very specific elements of that process that companies are trying to solve. Now, there are companies like Oracle, Accenture, and others that have kind of end-to-end software, but even they have to partner in this ecosystem because most companies are looking for, you know, plug-and-play modular components to bring this to life. So how should a traditional insurance company's view InsureTech? Should they see it as a threat or maybe a way to do more business or maybe just a way to do their business more efficiently? What should their viewpoint be on this? It's all of the above, right? So it's a bit of a threat if they're not willing to accept that this is most likely going to be the path of the future, but it's designed at its onset to actually be 
the complement, right? The insure tech is not here to replace the insurer. It's here to help the insurer. And that's the kind of primary basis for the entire marriage, right? Like it doesn't work if one dominates the other. So it can't be that the insurance company wants to gobble up all the insure techs because then you kind of lose the power of having one software that works across clients. So I always give the example of a Salesforce. You know, it's pretty well understood from a customer relationship management CRM that Salesforce is one of the major players out there. And it wouldn't really make sense for one insurance company to say, I'm going to buy that, meaning I'm going to buy it in, in its entirety and own it. But rather, they could become a partner of it, meaning they're a customer and they work with them. So they benefit from the scale that Salesforce has across clients and they bring the best in class to all the insurance companies. And obviously, Salesforce works across more than just insurance companies. So you, you really shouldn't think of it as a threat. I think insurance companies have struggled with the idea that they can do it in-house better, faster, cheaper, because that's really been how they've operated for the last 50 years. And that might have just been the necessity of the complexities of their business, you know, the immaturity of the insure tech market 20 years ago. But now it's at a point where partnership is really the path forward. So it's about, you know, enhancing the insurance company's business. So that's typically one of three ways, right? It's either new markets, new customers, which drive sales, efficiency, so cost savings is really the second. And the third is really that idea of kind of something adjacent. So something they haven't done before that they can maybe do differently now or, or bring to market a new idea. That's really the third dimension. So it's, you know, revenue, cost savings, or kind of a new idea. Those, that's the three primary ways insurtechs are helping insurance companies. So maybe let's talk about a specific example. And I remember from my days in the insurance business, one of the things that took a very long time was the whole application and issue process for life insurance policies. Can you talk about how maybe InsureTech can shorten the time that someone can take to get an insurance policy? Right. And there's a lot of different ways that that's happening. I'd say that's probably the low-hanging fruit, meaning it's the greatest opportunity for improvement for insurance, because that is the one kind of touch point that is really invasive with the customer and one that, you know, I don't think any customers love the insurance buying process as much as the actuaries and the underwriters and everybody understands the need for the process. If you're a consumer, it's it's kind of invasive at best. So the insurtech companies started a lot of them in this idea of kind of revamping distribution. So, you know, iPipeline's been around for a long time. I use that as an example. They digitized the application process. And they're probably not the first and they won't be the last, but they're probably one of the biggest ones that did it. And so they just made that whole buying journey digital so that when the advisor gets the information, it's already digitized, goes into head office, it comes in in good order. It just makes that flow so much better. You can imagine, it's, I'm sure many companies are still accepting paper applications, which is just a little bit hard to believe even uh, in the world we operate in today. So that was kind of the first step of it. But once you've digitized it, all companies really did was just kind of replace paper with electronics, right? And it's kind of the same journey if you think about email. Email, when it first came out, replaced a paper memo with an electronic memo. And people wrote long emails. Now nobody reads long emails, right? People are overwhelmed with, with emails. So we've got things like chat, text, and all these different ways of communicating, which have evolved and broken into the pieces that are more timely and specific to what we want. So the same is now happening in the insurance buying process. So the kind of dynamic question sets, the kind of on the in the moment insurance, the ability to have the customer participate in the journey with the advisor, like omni-channel slash partnered with the advisor, but not always advisor driven with every step. And then once you have all that data ingested, you know, it can be iterative, right? Hey, we got the five pieces. Let's now try to do the underwriting. Okay, we don't have enough. Let's go back and get some more. If in the old world of paper, that would have taken 
weeks, days, right? Think about, you know, connect with the AP, uh, the doctor's notes, the motor vehicle record. So all the data is becoming digital, not just from the, the customer, but all the kind of behind the scenes data as well, right? So then it becomes the, the next step in that process is what data do we want to get? Because you could get it all, but it's going to be cost not cost efficient to do that. What's the best way to mix that data to come up with the decision making? Do are we okay with you know rounding some corners from an actuarial lens, if you want to call it that? Because the kind of additional risk we take is offset by the faster, more efficient process, the cost savings we get, right? So there's there's all those kind of pieces. And that's usually where most insurance companies have started. That journey started probably five years ago in earnest, meaning like you know, the majority of companies started to build out those processes. Where we're at in the journey today is really that we replicated what we did, and now we're trying to refine and redefine the, that process to make it more streamlined and efficient from the application, the data gathering, and the underwriting decisions. And that's an evolving, never-ending process because there's always new data streams, always new prediction models, new ways of looking at data. And then the, probably the other dimension I would add is regulatory oversight. Right, so the regulatory bodies are saying, okay, you're changing the way you've done things, you're bringing other types of data in, are we okay with this? Are you making decisions that are ethical, unbiased, that are legal in that framework? It's probably more prevalent in the US, to be honest, than it is in Canada because of the privacy rules and the, like, the lack of data we have relative to the, the US. In the US, you see much more of this, that kind of instant issue, which is based on data all behind the scenes that they can get you know, in under 10 seconds from upwards of 20 different data sources. Okay, interesting. Uh, let's wrap up then, talk a bit about the role for actuaries in the world of InsureTech. Have companies in this area embraced actuarial expertise or are we still a bit behind on the times? It's an interesting point of view on where the actuary fits in this because you don't think of it so much as the actuary, but more the knowledge, right? So, and I'm, you know, I'm an actuary. I don't like the label of an actuary, but obviously it opens doors and it's great. So I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean, as actuaries, we bring a lot of expertise, knowledge. I always kind of joke and say actuaries have forgotten more about elements that aren't core to their knowledge because of being in meetings that most insure tech engineers have ever learned about insurance. So take you take for granted just how in-depth knowledge you have on the insurance buying process, on the insurance back office systems, regulatory, you know, as actuaries, we generally start to learn about all of that. And so insure tech companies definitely are hiring actuaries in more and more, I would say, I think because they're starting to recognize the value that we bring, not just the credential, because insure techs generally don't need the credential. We, they don't, they're not doing valuations or you know, more technical actuarial work that requires an actuary. What they need is somebody who understands the customer in that marriage, right? So you're bringing technology to an insurance company, you need that translator. You need the person who knows what the other side is feeling, thinking, experiencing their constraints, their opportunities. And that's where actuaries play a huge role. So you'll see them in roles of product development in data analytics at times, because again, we may not be the, the best data analytics people, but that doesn't mean we aren't the best people when it comes to understanding what we should be doing for the customer. And then the other thing is really that kind of well, almost the, the client facing, right? The client relationship management, project management, sales, that's other places you actually see actuaries because they understand how to communicate what the software does, what the technology does to the insurance company. So a huge proponent of this, I think there's a lot of opportunity for actuaries to be thinking about working with insurtechs. They probably need to be at a certain stage of maturity just from a revenue cost perspective. You know, actuaries aren't cheap because experience doesn't come cheap, right? You, you've built up this knowledge and so it's going to be valuable to the company. And when the company's at that point where they need that, 
from a financial perspective, meaning they can afford it and they're at that kind of growth stage, then you'll see them looking to bring actuaries in. So I encourage actuaries to think about what knowledge they have, what expertise they have that they can bring to InsureTechs to help make InsureTechs more successful, which ultimately makes the insurance companies they work with more successful. And if somebody wants to get into this field, what advice would you have for them to make that jump? First, I'd say figure out you know what it is you're actually passionate about. You know, if, if you're a person who spent your entire life in more of a valuation financial type role, but you love the idea of new distribution channels, well, it might just be a passion, but can you actually connect that bridge, right? Are you able to, to go and add value from your expertise right away? So maybe your, your path is figuring out what you want to do and maybe try it within an insurance company or learn about it within the insurance company first. If there's an alignment between what your experience is and knowledge is and what you're passionate about and what you want to do, then start to look out and see what's out there. There's lots of different places to find out what SureTechs are out there. You know, here in Canada, we've got the Mars District Communitech here in, in Kitchener-Waterloo, and there's many other places that where we call them incubators, places where startups kind of sit and grow, or they're out there raising money, they're at different conferences trying to get connected to the insurance companies. So take a minute and go talk to the, insur the InsurTech, right? Whether you're at a conference, reach out, you saw an ad they did, and with that, like start to learn about what they do, figure out like if there might be a fit, you know, you have to sell yourself to some degree too, because they're not going to instantly know a lot of times why they should hire an actuary. So again, it's about that experience. So it's that knowledge. You have to learn what's out there, what you want to do and what types of companies might be out there that would fit and then seeing if there's an opportunity for you. Okay. That's great. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. This has been great. And hopefully uh, lots of people learn some stuff today. Okay, very good. We now have several dozen episodes in our podcast series, so we'd encourage you all to subscribe. You can do so through Spotify, Apple, or whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And if you like today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating or a comment. And we would like to hear from you, so please send any suggestions or episode ideas to podcasts at cia-ica.ca. And as well, we're always looking for content for our Seeing Beyond Risk blog. So if you have some ideas you would like to share, please contact us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Fiboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.